1: Welcome to the global phenomenon, Surviving the Survivor, where we bring you the best guests in all of true crime. What's up, STS Nation, and
0: welcome to another episode of Surviving the Survivor, the podcast that promises to bring you the very best guests in all of true crime. And you're in for a special treat today. And hello to the global audience. We are, I promised you, we're going to do at least one lunch live a week For all our friends, uh, like Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, out in the UK and elsewhere around the globe. So uh, this is a very disturbing Mm -hmm. story. Uh, You might want to, I don't know, double check yourself before you listen to all this. But a former neonatal nurse uh, convicted of murdering seven babies in her care and trying to kill at least six others at a hospital in northern England was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of release by a judge, which is very unusual for the UK. We'll ask Dr. Linda Papadopoulos about that. Uh, the judge called Linda, Let, uh, Lucy Letvy, I should say, uh, cruel, cunning and callous, and said that she acted with malevolence bordering sadism, malevolence bordering sadism. That is a direct quote. Her friends and family still say she's innocent, so what's up with that? We're going to ask the doctors. Best guess, Dr. Linda Papadopoulos. She's one of the best-known and well-respected psychologists working in the UK today. She is the founder director of the Successful Program in Counseling Psychology at the London Metropolitan University. She was appointed reader in psychology in 2001, a great distinction at such a young age. She also appeared on VH1's reality show, Celebrity Fit Club. She also hosted the Discovery Fit and Health Channel TV series, My Naked Secret. She's done all those TV shows on all the UK TV channels, as well as American ones. And she's also a prolific author, including What Men Say, What Women Hear. I love that. Uh Wife only hears select things. Uh, Dr. Dana Anderson, it's her first time on the show. I can already tell she's super cool, chill from NorCal, Northern California. She is a court-appointed forensic psychologist for the California Superior Court Criminal Division who provides psychological evaluations to defend dance at various stages of the criminal justice Process. She assesses and diagnoses inmates detained in correctional and psychiatric facilities and state hospitals to 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 uh, determine competency, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Lucy Letby certainly uh, could use uh, her skills. Um, Dr. Linda, uh, to you first. Um, just very macro, broad. What was this trial like in the UK? And by the way, uh, unlike an American trial, this went on for an eternity. It was like ten months. I think it started. Mm-hmm. November, And she was just sentenced in August, uh, October, November, all the way through August. But um, how often was this on the news? Was this was this all the talk in uh, in the U.K.?
4: Well, it was all the talk as soon as um as soon as it started, right? So as soon as the story came out. And then in the last few weeks, it's been everywhere as well. We didn't have it televised. It's not like in the US where a lot of these big cases are televised. But since the verdict came out, it has been absolutely everywhere. And I think one of the main reasons for that is kind of the incongruence between the person that you see, right? Uh, what she does, how she appears, the stories that are all around her and, and the heinous sort of crimes that she committed. It's this incongruence, I think, that, that sort of blew everybody uh, away. Um, and I, I think, too, to a large extent, it's kind of taken on a, a sort of a life of its own as well over here because I think usually, whether it's clinical psychologists, forensic psychologists, you, you kind of have these sort of ways of, of trying to make sense sense of things, right? That's what happens when we, when something horrible happens in order to have a sense of volition of control, we try and kind of tell a story to make sense of it. And then, so, you know, having this idea of like, well, you know, was it Munchausen's, was it a psychopathy You know, obviously we'll speak about these things, but there was no kind of clear cut thing here. You know, we couldn't just sort of tick boxes and say, well, this is what it sounds like. And I think because of that as well, it's really stayed um, in the national press for weeks now.
0: Um. Let's do this a little backwards today. Uh, I am not T-Pain. I always say best guess, better community. No offense to the guests, but we have the best uh, community in all a true crime. And they've already got their questions. Uh, and you'll see we've got an international audience today. Tali already saying hello from Israel. Um, but I'm, I'm going to take this question for Dr. Dana Anderson, and then we'll work backwards. And I'll tell you, for those who do not know, we'll get back into some of the details of the story. But uh, I am not T-Pain wants to know, uh, what purpose would Lucy Letby, this nurse, have for writing the victim's parents and acting empathetic toward their loss? Dr. Dana Anderson, uh, she's murdering these babies and then basically wondering how the family's doing. Why? That seems uh, really uh, psychotic to me, uh, for lack of a better term. Dr. Dana?
5: Well, I noticed. Yeah, I noticed on uh, after one of the killings. Can you hear me OK?
0: Yeah. Yeah, you're great.
5: Okay, that she Googled the parents on Facebook and started looking them up to find out more about who they were. And maybe, I think sometimes that I see in my experience, and of course I've never met Lucy, so I can't formulate any diagnostic opinion or... But some people who have some s- sadistic traits um they can want to see other people suffer like to see them cry or their remorse their suffering people you ever heard this the saying that misery loves company yeah well it's actually that's actually not right miserable people love miserable company and sometimes when you're in a miserable state you're suffering it also helps to see other people suffer or to even create suffering to see them in that state so you feel like you're not alone and i've seen that working in the psychiatric hospital and in the jails people that are so calculated they'll do these things and they'll they'll watch it play out and there sometimes seems to be some satisfaction in that.
0: Mm, interesting. There. Um, just uh, taking a half step back for those who are not familiar with this story, um, the nurse's name is Lucy Letby. She was found guilty of murdering seven babies at a place called the Countess of Chester Hospital. Um, this is very rare to be murdering babies in this way, but that's what she was doing. Uh, nevertheless. Uh, Now, um, an independent inquiry uh, has been set up uh, to understand, try to figure out how this could even have gone on for so long. We'll get into some of the investigation and and how this came to be. Some doctors uh, and nurses were warning of this, I think, almost a year in advance before anything uh, was done in terms of an investigation. She also attempted uh, six other murders before being reported to the uh, police. What was interesting here is she did not attend her own sentencing. That is a right in the UK to not attend your own sentencing. But now uh, the government announced that it is going to be looking into new powers, uh, into new powers uh, when Parliament um, reconvenes in the fall. Um, Dr. Linda, is that true? I mean, is that a longstanding tradition where you do not have to attend your own sentencing at a criminal case?
4: Uh, actually, it's the first time I heard of it, it must be. Um, it was never on my radar uh, before. But again, uh, this—it's interesting because throughout the court case, Lucy's parents were there every day. They were extremely supportive. I think this, this should be said as well. It's very fascinating because uh, Lucy's parents, her friends—they—they've uh, stuck by her throughout this. And in fact, there's been several sort of uh, interviews, and editorials, even since the sentencing, where they're still adamant that this, you know, they got the wrong person. And that kind of not attending the sentencing Um you know i think can be attributed uh, in a couple of ways i think number one you could say that um this was a sign of disrespect of not kind of of wanting to continue that sort of um, ability Mm -hmm. to hurt the families to not have accountability um it would sort of feed into kind of this again this aura around lucy as really maintaining this idea that you know I'm this innocent person and I'm going to take this sort of right to the end, to the nth degree. So yeah, it was the first that I've heard of it, but I think it was a really powerful statement. It's like saying something without saying it by not being there. I think the families would have felt extremely, extremely and kind of probably angered or hurt by that, that there's no accountability.
0: Um, Dr. Linda, there's a question up, which uh, we put this graphic up instead. And there she is. Lucy, let me uh, convicted of killing seven NICU babies, attempting to kill six more. Um, the question was, uh, would she, in your opinion, have continued to kill these babies had she not been caught?
4: Yeah, so when we look at um, serial killers, female or male, one of the things that, that we'll often kind of find is that a barrier to, to them stopping usually is kind of uh, th- this idea that they will be found out, that they will be caught. And what was interesting, again, in Lucy's case, is that the alarm was raised ages before anything ever happened, right? So you had doctors raising the alarm, you had other colleagues raising the alarm. And not only was this sort of alarm raised, but it was dismissed. And there were cases where doctors were then asked to write apologies and to apologize to Lucy for kind of making her feel upset about this. And, you know, and she would then sort of write back and say, OK, well, I'm going to prove to you that this is all going great. So it was this really kind of odd, convoluted sort of case where you know this wasn't just a one off several people noticed it i mean there was there was this kind of running dark joke that as soon as the alarm went off uh, in the NICU, people were like, oh, is, is Lucy working tonight? Because it always coincided. So it was everyone sort of knew, but the powers that be appeared to do nothing about it, even though it was brought to them. Not only did they appear to do nothing about it, she was then placed at the center of this as the victim. She was sort of placed as the victim of of uh, workplace, whatever you want to call it, bullying or people kind of misrepresenting her. So you got to wonder if that kind of empowered her to continue, right? So not only am I doing this uh, and manipulating and, and, you know, the situation I'm doing this, manipulating the situation and manipulating my superiors and actually orchestrating everything. So that kind of really gives a sense of power and that kind of power and that kind of high that you're on would probably mean that you're more likely to continue.
0: And for those who don't know, uh, the NICU is the neonatal intensive care unit. So these were, Babies that were in uh, bad shape to begin with uh, black widower is a, a friend of the show from the UK. She says, well done, UK. Only the worst cowards opt out. Terrible that they don't have to sit through the impact statements. Uh, looks like that is going to probably change, as I said, once Parliament uh, reconvenes. Uh, Z's uh, they should read the impact statements to her in prison. That's not a bad idea. Uh, Z here says every person who had the power to stop this and ignored the report should be forced to pay retribution to the victim's families for the rest of their lives, be publicly called out and banned from practicing. I've never seen Z here before, but I, that S in in practicing gives it away. She's either Canadian or British or, or, uh, somewhere in the UK. So, uh. There you go. Jill Mettler watching us here from uh, Cape Town, South Africa, as usually is Mish, who uh, hopefully we'll see in the chat shortly. So we've got the globe uh, covered here. As far as uh, some more of the backstory here, suspicions arose after an outbreak of unexpected collapses and infant deaths that happened between June 2015 and in June 2016, and by the way, Lucy Letby is young. She was born in 1990, so, uh, you know, she's only in her early 30s now. This would have put her in her mid to late 20s. Uh, so this is, again, was all happening at a place called Countess of Chester Hospital, and it all started around the same time. Um, she was qualified to work with children in the intensive care unit. Concerns were raised by different uh, staff members Uh, that Lucy Letby was always on duty during these incidents, and as soon as she was removed from duties in June 2016, the deaths stopped, at least at that volume. So uh, it goes to show you that, uh, you know, there's a correlation there. Uh, Nina says, hi from Germany. Uh, Great to have you, Nina. New uh, name, new face, but great to have you. Same question to you, Dr. Dana Anderson, who is new to the show. Lucky to have her. Um do you think she would have continued to kill? People are saying she is the most prolific serial killer of babies in the u k. That is uh, a very ignominious label. You don't want that label um but do you think she would have continued to uh, build up you know uh her 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 killings?
5: Well, the evidence certainly supports that. There was plenty of different times interventions were happening or she had an opportunity to stop. And she did not. I mean, even after warnings or being removed from work, you know, returned and did the same thing. So you would think the suspicion of someone thinking that you're involved in this, you would change your behavior or not want to get caught. Stop at a, you know, but she, she, there was no evidence of that. So I certainly say, yes, she would have continued.
3: Mm.
0: That seems to be the consensus from all the professionals. Um, Here's the difficult part. If you guys are squeamish, um, this is tough, but it's important for the story. Uh, Her method of killing these babies. um, During the trial, it was revealed that Lucy Lepi's methods included injecting the infants with air or insulin, which is used for diabetes, overfeeding them, or even physically assaulting them. She also stole over 250 confidential documents relating to the children's care to keep as mementos of her crimes and falsified patient records to avert suspicion. A number of parents and staff members had also walked in during or just after Letby's attack on victims. Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, what about the method of killing here? I mean, it's brutal. It's a very painful Um from all accounts, to be uh, injected, you know, with oxygen or, in, or uh, insulin, what do you make of this, the, these methods, the way she carried out her heinous acts? You
4: no, know, it really was horrific uh, reading the medical examiner's reports and indeed the reports of people that were uh, in the NICU. They, one of the things that they said was that it's horrible to say that again, viewer discretion, but the, the the point that was made was that the babies that are that little very rarely cry loudly for an extended period. And these babies were screaming at the top of their lungs up to half an hour nonstop. Because again, when you um, inject in an air bubble, it's it basically makes the blood is. And it's excruciatingly painful. And these are tiny little uh, preemies in many cases, tiny little uh, infants. So I, I, again, it was uh, it was horrific. It wasn't one of those um, things. That, it would have been sort of viscerally easy to hear, right? We're programmed sort of evolutionarily, right, to respond to crying. One of the reasons that we cry is because it kind of allows us to understand and empathize with somebody else's pain. That is kind of increased exponentially when that pain comes from a child. So the idea that you'd be able... To inflict that pain and then to sit with it and listen to it and do nothing and get in the way of proper treatment by saying, I'm not sure what's going on here, really speaks to a very unwell mind, a very unwell person. Um, truly horrific. Uh,
0: that it, What you just said is, really struck me because uh, when we think about these things, I think most times we think of it uh, sort of two-dimensionally, for lack of a better phrase, so you just... You picture her injecting oxygen, but you don't think about her sitting there and listening to the noises and listening to the screaming and listening to the pain. And she was obviously able to do that. Um, You know, I'm not a a psychologist. I don't know if that is psychotic, sociopathic, all of the above. Um, We can maybe get into some of the labels a little later on. But what I do know is it is a sick, sick behavior. Um, And Dr. Dana Anderson, what I wanted to ask you, you know. Sadly, we hear about serial killers all the time. You know, they either prey on marginalized uh, women, like we're seeing out of uh, the Long Island serial killer case. Um, Then we've got uh, Kerry Rawson. She was just on the show. Her father is the notorious BTK serial killer. He was uh, like a sexual sadistic killer. But what about this level of depravity when she was going after literally the most innocent of creatures on planet earth. I mean, babies just coming into the world completely defenseless and she was attacking them. That was her prey. Uh, What do you make of that?
5: Well, sometimes I look at, sometimes people can be opportunists when situations prevent them, present themselves in front of them, right. For an opportunity to commit a crime or did someone place themselves intentionally in a position with like, you know, malice aforethought, like thinking that they may do this sometime. And I can't help but go back to her very birth, where she almost there was a difficult birth when, when she was born. Did you guys hear about that?
0: Yeah, I did a little bit, but you can you can expand on that. So she was she was a she herself was a difficult pregnancy, correct?
5: Well I think she may be had a near-death experience, and the nurses saved her.
3: Mm.
5: And maybe, maybe she wishes she wouldn't have been saved. And then she come back in that position to unsave others like she wishes she wouldn't have been saved or brought into this world.
0: Wow. That's really, um, that's a frightening assessment right there, but it's possible, I guess. Um, and again, yeah, if you read up on her, you'll you will find out that um, she herself had a difficult time coming into the world. And Dr. Dana Anderson is saying maybe it was so difficult that she wanted to save other children in this NICU from uh, experiencing what she experienced, which is kind of extra crazy because I don't think you have much memory, uh, obviously, when you're at that young an age. But um, the angel rock here. Go ahead, Dana.
5: Well, I just wanted to say, so I've done thousands of suicidal interventions in the psych hospital and homicidal interventions. So, so for four years, I was seeing a lot of people who were suicidal and homicidal or, or threatening to kill, wanting to kill, having thoughts of killing. And so I always say that there's a fine line between suicide and homicide and 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 most people that I've personally intervened in a homicidal interventions were also suicidal because it's the last. It doesn't matter anymore what you do. It doesn't matter if you take people with you.
0: Let, let me ask you, Dr. Dana Anderson. Since you brought that up, when you are intervening uh, in a homicidal with a homicidal person, uh, how do you talk them down? How do you how do you prevent them? Or what's what are the first steps in trying to talk them out of that?
5: You know, I just got a phone call yesterday from a person who wanted to kill, and I talked to him, and and I, I told him I could help him, and he agreed to sign up and do therapy with him. I gave him a psych test, and then we met for a virtual session, and he really wanted help, like honestly wanted help and wanted someone to listen. So I said, I can do that. And I can help you not go to, he didn't want to go to prison, didn't want to lose his job. Like he was, he was thinking it through, but he didn't know who to talk to. And I was like, I can, I can help you work through this. And so I do, I did a psych assessment, actual testing to see what his personality disorder. So as far as an intervention, so if someone is psychotic, I would refer them to a psychiatrist or give them medication or so, um, but this particular person had avoidant personality disorder among other things, but a very hidden disorder, um, that people are overlooking where they're not confronting the problem and they're avoiding it so long. It just buries deep inside them. And his had turned into sadistic thoughts, intrusive thoughts and like role-playing it and thinking it through. And of course, as far as interventions, there's certain things that people can do. In my situation, there's things like terror soft threat. Where you, if there was a specific victim, I could warn that person. That's by law, that's my duty. Or if someone meets criteria for a 5150, you call the police, and they can be hospitalized um, if they're a danger to themselves or others or gravely disabled. But a lot of times in the psych hospital for people that may be trying to murder their girlfriend or spouse and they're brought in by police to be detained, I would do their treatment with them to stabilize them until they were safe to be released. I'd also do this like at the state hospital or other, other places. Um, and there is a period of lethality where someone is going to kill. They want to. They're going to. They're telling you don't let me out of here i'm not safe and during that time we keep them oh, and hopefully we don't want them to commit a crime and that is my my intention for what i do as a professional my goal would be to intervene in these types of situation and i just i might add also licensed professionals are referred to me for psych evals And I will determine if they're fit for duty or not. And which begs the question, you know, the proper chain of channels for people getting into these professions and being licensed and at what point she should have been referred for a psyche valve and not safe to return to work based on.
0: Yeah. You bring up, uh, you bring up a really interesting point. Um, and that has come up, uh, should dr linda papadopoulos doctors and nurses and techs and hospitals should they all have to be evaluated uh psychiatrically or by psychologists before being hired do you think dr
1: papadopoulos
4: um well i know like that part of the the training that you get when you become a clinical psychologist get your training is, is to undergo therapy yourself um I, I think the idea, again, of supervision, of peer-on-peer supervision is there as a I means. These are really stressful jobs, right? We know that these are hugely stressful jobs. We know that there is a very high incidence, for example, of um, alcohol abuse and substance abuse in some of these caring professions as well. So I, I think having that sort of peer-on-peer supervision is supposed to be helpful for that um, to be able to ensure that there's somebody else watching. And I think, you know, if if an, a psyche valve could be implemented, I think for the person's own good, as well as the own good uh, of people around, that would be great. Well, it's really interesting, and I, I'd love to hear Dr. Dana's take on this. I, I came across um, an article in, a, I think it's it was in a forensic psychology journal, that suggested that 40% of female serial killers tend to have a background in healthcare. Now, this to your point is probably due to the ease of this, right, it's opportunistic in a way, it's right there, it's very easy to hide. But um, again, I, you know, I, the vast, vast majority of, of female healthcare workers are amazing. I just want to make that clear that you know they're, they're amazing what they do. But it's fascinating. That number is correct. It, it really is fascinating. And um, and you, you you've got to kind of I think kind of going forward, we need to sort of look Sorry. at as well Sorry. our Sorry. own. Oh, that, Hang
0: on a sec. Uh The COE just brought this up. This is. Uh, was unexpected. This is video we were looking at of Lucy Letby during uh, an interrogation. Um, so do you want to go back here, COE, now that you brought it up and we'll play it out a little bit and then we'll get the psychologist's uh, response. This is an interrogation of Lucy Letby. They
3: told me that there would be a lot more that I've been linked to somebody that's there for a lot of them. Did you have any concerns that there
4: was a rise in the mortality rate? Yes.
3: Okay, so
4: tell me about that. What concerns did you have? I think we don't just notice
0: it as a team in general the nursing staff, that this was a rise compared to previous years. And there you have it. There's part of an interrogation. Um, I'll tell you just as a layperson, um, she seems to be speaking, Dr. Linda Papadopoulos, with almost no affect. I don't know if that's cultural. I have no idea. She just seems very disconnected, almost creepy. Um, What do you make of that, Dr. Linda? Uh,
4: I do think that in the the UK, maybe we're not as animated um, like that. So maybe part of it's there. Um, Again, the affect seems to me, it seems very almost rehearsed, right? And this is something that, again, I think came up the idea that she would kind of say, you know, these are these huge platitudes of like, I'm a nurse, I can help, I'm the one that's going to help you. So it seems very, very performative, um, straight through. And that's something that was picked up on, I think, in the trial as
1: well.
0: By the way, this is the, I'm going to butcher your name again, Lorelei Potvan. Uh, her cousin is a famous ice hockey player where everyone in Madison Square Garden used to yell bad things at him. Uh, she's watching us from Canada and was a Nick NICU uh, nurse herself. Uh, Dr. Dana Anderson, what, what did you make of that video just now? Did anything stand out to you hearing her speak? She just seems very creepy to me, for lack of a better term. But what did you make of it?
5: Well, just going back to what you were talking about earlier, her being in a position, um, an opportunist saying, I'm here to help, um, that just triggered um a thought because Brian Kohlberger had made that statement. Remember and mm-hmm. just, so now it just gave me chills because someone in a position who is in a position to help to, to say that that's so haunting help.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. I had forgotten about that. Uh, glad you raised that point. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not t with the questions. They come uh, rapid fire from her all the time. Uh, Dr. Linda, to you, uh, was this a way for Lucy to create her own lifetime movie? Do you think this was done more from a compulsion after she got away with the first murder? Or do you think she enjoyed murdering? And we'll get into some of the motives, uh, possible motives right after this. But go ahead, Linda.
4: Um it's it's an interesting idea this idea of of a compulsion and when you kind of uh, study difference of cases of serial killers, That they'll kind of speak the, around this idea that it becomes an itch that they need to scratch. I believe that she was emboldened. I think she was emboldened by a system that not only made it easy for her to do this, sadly, but that, you know, didn't listen to the voices of so many other health professionals that were trying to raise this as a problem. And I think one of the core issues that we have to remember here is that, in order for us to understand the world as human beings, we need to kind of form sort of schemas, sort of basic ideas of you know what the world looks like, what it is. And one of those schemas around healthcare workers, and we're kind of kind of to associate the words would be kind, would be caring, mm-hmm. would be competent. You then add on to that schema of young woman, right? Who, who are most of the criminals that we tend to see? We say violent person very often who comes into your mind is a male, right? You know, for, for better or for that, that's what we think of. We don't think of a woman. We certainly don't think of a young woman. We don't think of a woman in a nurse's outfit. So I think there was a lot that she could hide behind. And I think the whole infrastructure around her, not just of, of the unit that she was on, but I think of the society that we live in as a whole. And it's understandable, right? We need to make sense of the world by grouping people and making sense things. You don't think of of the young blonde woman who's in healthcare, taking care of babies as in any way likely to do this and that allows her very sadly to 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 continue doing this unimpeded
0: and that's a great point yeah. just to follow up on that so we we're also covering a case here uh, her name is corey richens she's accused of poisoning her husband a very wealthy guy using five times the lethal dose of fentanyl And I saw a photo of her, I remember when I was first uh, reading up on the story, and, you know, looks like someone, uh, close your ears, COE, someone I could have dated at one point. Um, You know, like, she just looked like a very, um, I don't know, sort of benign creature. Um, Same with Lucy Letby, even more so, I think. So what does that say um, about sort of judging the proverbial book by its cover, Uh, people coming all shapes, forms, sizes, colors, and I guess so do serial killers, right?
4: They do. (laughs) They do. Um, And again, in order for us, though, to to kind of function, we need to put... Faith in certain groups in society. Look, it, I, to me, one of the things that this reminded me of is the, the horrific case of of uh, priests abusing children. Again, it's a priest, right? It's someone you're supposed to trust. It's someone you. So, you know, it, there's there's this idea in psychology. They speak about it when people become uh politicians or go up it's called the the cloak of power it's almost as if you've got this invisible cloak that you know people look at you differently and you know we all know this as soon as you say someone is a doctor you look at them a little bit differently someone's a clergyman you look at them a little bit differently if you are the person that wants to do something like this it's the ideal place to hide
0: uh by the way exactly Yeah, uh, Dan, we get back to you in one sec. Black Widow are correcting me in all caps. I am from the Republic of Ireland. What do I know? I'm a Jersey guy. What do I know? Uh, Yep, he said I was in the UK last night. Sorry to all you guys. What do I know? I'm from Jersey. It's all sort of the same out there. Uh, Canada's in the house. uh, Leanne Forsberg. And then there was, uh, by the way, the COE is having fun bringing those comments up. We've got Finland here as well. Uh, Dr. Dana Anderson, did you want to hop in there? I'm sorry.
5: Oh, no. I, I don't remember <laughs> what I was going to say now.
0: <laughs> All right. That's my fault. <laughs> Ask so me anything. <laughs> yeah. Move, moving on to motive here. So uh, that's really, by the way, before we get to motive, because I touched on this, she was charged, Lucy Letby was November 2020 with eight counts of murder, Um, and 10 counts of attempted murder. She was convicted of the seven uh, and trying to kill six other babies. The trial for those of us who are in America and not the Republic of Ireland, uh, it lasted from October, 2022 to August, 2023. Um, I cannot recall um, an American trial coming close to that. So when October to August, uh, a very long time, uh, Heather Rand with a question here. Why do people lack empathy? I can't even fathom uh, getting off on somebody else's pain. Dr. Dana Anderson, uh, where does this come from?
5: <laughs> S- sometimes people, th- I mean, there's different reasons. It, people can sometimes draw a metal curtain around their, that emotion and certain emotions they don't want to deal with, and then bury them or suppress them or not deal with emotions, any type of emotions, right? And there could be various reasons we do that. Um, Sometimes it's a way to protect ourselves initially from overreacting. Like if, if I've had trauma or certain things, I just don't want to deal with my emotions. I don't want to cry. I don't want to express myself. I don't want to be angry. I just suppress them. But over time, it's so toxic. They may exist. Emotions make Everyone has emotions, but you can bury them or suppress them or deny their existence within you. And then rationalize, right? And, and avoiding is, is also a form of coping. These are like, you know, but, but careful. You suppress it too long... It leaks out. It will come out in some other form. And while, you know, acting out in these violent tendencies.
0: Uh, Olive Heatley, I'm from North, uh, North Ireland. And then we've got this comment. Maxie Dudo, greetings to all from Florida. Uh, What a powerful pair of guests, Uh, Joel. Dr. Papadopoulos, my last name is Sotsos from one Greek woman to another. Thank (laughs) you, For your analysis this afternoon, there Mm -hmm. you go. Um, So moving on to motive, uh, Dr. Linda Papadopoulos. um, The reasons why Lucy Letby, this neonatal nurse, committed the murders, uh, they say may never be fully understood. Uh, Prosecutors and other experts told jurors uh, several possible motivations, and we'll get into them in a moment. But does there always need to be a motive, uh, Dr. Linda? Could it just be that she killed because that's what she felt she was put on this earth to do um or is always does a motive always have to follow
4: i think a motive helps us more than anything right you know why are we all here today talking about this, this is this is a means of all of us trying to assert a sense of control and make the world make sense right so in that sense coming you know having a mode of, you know having people try and figure that out I, I, I think it's important but you know having said that I have to say kind of going through it's not what you expect I think when I remember when I first heard about this case so immediately you kind of think Munchausen's right so this idea that she's causing the, the pain to then come in and be the savior right so that okay so she, she's doing she wants to be a proxy for that so she's she's doing this but again she she wouldn't come in and save the day you know so we know previous nurses that have done that that's what they were doing it for um they you know again if she was a classic psychopath of antisocial personality disorder what we would have expected is to have seen a history where she i don't know stole cars set fire to things i don't know, got kicked out of school as far as we know, she was, you know, loving family, you know, a good kid at school. No, no previous record whatsoever. Um, we would have uh, assumed that maybe there was some sort of significant, again, sort of life trauma. Then from what we see, very stable family, very supportive parents. The point, uh, you know, the parents were so proud of, of, of Lucy that, I, I don't know why this stuck with me, that um, whenever she'd have a, uh, a kind of a seminal moment in her life they, they take out ads in the newspaper so when she graduated nursing school they took out an ad in the newspaper and said look at our brilliant girl this is what she did when she turned 21 they took out an ad in the newspaper saying happy birthday we're so proud of you so all of these things don't fit in with the usual things right that, that we tick boxes and see there was some suggestion that there was a, a doctor that she was interested in so that maybe she was causing this so the doctor could come in and help the babies that doesn't I don't really get that because you know uh, there, there's other ways of getting attention clearly there's something in her own uh psychopathology which took enjoyment or found power or found control in all this so that doesn't so do well so you know i guess Joel, to answer your question is it would be great to kind of figure out a motive i'm not sure from what i've read and, and kind of just the, the bit of research that i've done it that i see any kind of clear one here
0: And that's interesting. I think what you said is uh, poignant, which is we need it almost more for ourselves than for, for the, you know, the killer per se. Uh, I just spoke to, and and he's going to come on the show on October 1st. Um, He is the first police officer through the door at the Las Vegas mass shooting uh, where the person was firing uh, out the window. Uh, He was the, the first person in and, you know, all these years later, Uh, we still don't know why that person opened fire, including him and uh, this police officer and uh, everyone would wanna know. And uh, the answer is never gonna come, we don't think, because uh, he's no longer with us. Um, Just to touch on what I said before, so the BBC, obviously this is a huge story, and so the BBC did their own investigation. They found that pediatric consultants on that neonatal unit uh, had raised uh, concerns for more than a year before the hospital ever called in police to investigate. I'm sure there's going to be some sort of civil litigation over that uh, from the families. Sadly, it's going to continue on, I'm sure. Um, and then I was just going to get to that question from uh, t Payne, and there it goes. So uh, mm-hmm. moving right along, um, the COE is messing with me today. Uh, so she had some writings, Lucy Letby did, and she wrote, I am evil. I did this on a post-it note that was found by police at her home. uh, And what was the closest the prosecution said that they could get to a a confession. She went on to write, um, Dr. Dana Anderson, I don't deserve to live. I killed them on purpose because I'm not good enough to care for them. I will never marry or have children. I will never know what it's like to have a family. Uh, What do you make of these writings? Specifically, she said, I'm evil. I did this. Do you think she was just born an evil person?
5: Well, she self-sabotaged this, what she did in her life. Will she ever marry or have children? Like, probably not. Like, and she's, you know, she sabotaged her own life. Like, she's made this. Um.
0: She did it to herself, is what you're saying.
5: Yeah. And she she people like this, they can recognize there's an evil side to themselves, part of themselves that they hate and they don't deserve these things. Right. I think it it's like a slow way of killing yourself, destroying everything good in your life, or that could have been. You know, maybe all those classy newspaper ads that were taken out by her parents where she's a star. Like, I mean, she did the Look what she did. Now she's in the paper for something entirely different. Like she completely self sabotaged and ruined her life. Like, I mean, maybe she wanted this in the end, right? Maybe she wanted the ultimate attention in the end.
0: That's an interesting perspective. Oh, see this. Yeah. Oh, my chest squeezed. Look, it's Stephanie Stephens.
3: Oh, yes.
1: Yeah, thank
0: you.
4: Can yeah, it's not a problem.
3: Yeah. Okay. I'm just going to put you in the back seat over here. I'll run around to yes. get the seat. Back. Okay, you have to take a seat in there for me, Lucy? I'll move that seat forward a bit. Sure, sure. It's just that knee surgery. Oh, right, okay.
0: So that is obviously uh, the day of the arrest. Um, The uh, video of when Lucy Letby was arrested, the COE has COVID. So uh, she's just bringing things up here um, and uh, the fog of COVID here. So I was actually myself not prepared for this, but it's interesting. Um, Let's play that one more time. And then I'm just curious from the psychologist to get um, your perspective um, about uh what you're seeing here. Uh COE, can we play that one more time?
3: Hello, Lucy, is this? Yeah. Hello, my name is Chesh, please. Let me step in two seconds. Oh, yes. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, problem. Yeah. Okay. I put you in the back seat over here. Hold on, yeah. Can you to take a seat in there for me, Lucy? I'll move that seat forward a bit. Sure. Yeah, it was just that knee surgery. Oh right, okay.
0: <clears throat> and there it is, uh, Doctor Linda Papadopoulos. Uh, what do you what do you make of what you're saying there? The uh, arrest of Lucy Letby.
4: She's very calm, isn't she? um and you know again I, I find it interesting um what's worked for her up until now is to put herself in the position of victim like oh my god these nasty doctors are saying things about me you know there's bullying people are speaking about me and here she's like oh you know my knee hurts I've just had surgery so that's kind of that. that's the thing that sticks out for me is she's very good at kind of you know, uh, being put in that position that I'm, I'm trying to be cooperative, I'm in pain here, I'm the one that's, you know, um, being put upon here, but, you know, I, I'll, I'll be cooperative. So Again, you see that, and especially with, the, you know, the what we're used to seeing with criminals being apprehended couldn't be any more different, right? It just seems like she's going for a quick drive with, you know, to the local PD and, and nothing's going to happen. And again, that's probably because she's been very good at doing that for a very long time. you gotta, you got to think about the the psychological process that it takes to to live that double life, right? To know that you're causing and inflicting so much pain and harm at the same time, you know, putting on this front to sort of very vulnerable people, which are full of emotion, you know, anyone who's worked in a hospital before, anyone who's worked, especially in an intensive care unit or indeed had to have been there for their own sort of family or family. So really, you know, fraught with emotion. So she's clearly very good at kind of that, that very nurse like keeping things cool, keeping things calm. And this is just another display of that.
0: By the way, the police could not be more polite. I don't think that would happen in America that way. They'd come in a little uh, stronger <laughs> and tougher than a, uh, man, geez, step in your home. Um, Harley 62, could Lucy have children of her own, uh, Linda or Dana, I don't know if you know the answer. I have not read anywhere that she could not. uh, Either of you know if she couldn't have junk. Um, And then here's a diagnosis. I don't know who JQ is, but welcome to the show. Um, Dr. Dana Anderson, she says that Lucy is a sadistic narcissist with psychopathic tendencies. By the way, my dad uh, was a psychiatrist for over 40 years. One of his things is he did not like to label people. You um, kind of study with a maverick in psychiatry. But is there anything to these labels here, Dr. Dana Anderson?
5: Well, I agree with your dad on that. So I think it's dangerous to put people in these categories because sometimes we're wrong and not everyone has the same traits or features. And so as far as diagnosis, from what psychologists do versus the public, they're very different. So the public's perception with, you know, a lot of people, I got a call the other day, someone's like, I think my ex is a psychopath. Can you give her that diagnosis? Well, that's not a diagnosis in the DSM. So, but there are certain traits. So it's, it's, if I were to test someone like this and I do in, and I do sentencing recommendations for the court, I might look for mitigating factors. Um, I was, recently asked to do sentencing on a rapist and so you're thinking in your head right all the traits that we just saw sadistic psychopathic narcissist you think you'd see those what i saw was some very different things some other things so you want to be careful what we see or like isn't always what lies beneath now of course sadistic traits yeah i think that those were We saw those. I know somebody said borderline sadistic. Uh, I think we can go, those are that's sadistic, like wanting to cause harm or inflict pain. But, and, you know, I don't know a lot of other details about her to say. So narcissistic personality, that's a whole disorder in itself. Um, I think it would be very interesting to see what someone's, personality disorder is and sometimes it's quite different than what we think so I do really specific personality testing so to show all the traits and information and someone could have traits of narcissism or traits but maybe not meet full diagnostic criteria
0: uh caroline miller wayne and deeply rooted withdrawn personality disorder uh and then there's this one obviously and generally speaking i think every psychopath is different presenting with a different psychopathy however in this particular case i think there was a lot of inner turmoil going on i think that is pretty safe to say uh this by the way is incredibly disturbing she did target twins and triplets um that's just, you know, kind of mind blowing that. I mean, that just ups the uh, ante, in my view, uh, Linda, and we'll get on to the motives in a sec. Um, but in writing, I am evil and did this. And she says, I don't de- deserve to live. I killed him on purpose. How are these friends and family members proclaiming her innocence? I mean, this is literally the closest thing you could get to an admission. Um, are they just being good friends and uh, family members and sticking by her side, Do you think?
4: No, I think they genuinely believe that. Um, Look, I I, I think it's very um, easy to assume that someone that's a monster is always a monster and is a monster in every environment, in every situation. But of course, we know that's not the case. I mean, you know, uh, is it the Bilko killer, the recent guy that was married with kids on the the beach? Is it Gilko Beach? Gilgo,
0: Gilgo, yep.
4: Gilgo, sorry. Again, this is, you know, another case in point where people might have had an inkling or something, but actually, you know, he, for all intents and purposes, is highly functioning in society. You know, it's the same thing here. I think um, the people that do horrible things can actually also not do horrible things it's it's a really difficult thing for us to understand but you know you kind of think of you know your your average some you know mafia person right who you know does awful things but then cuddles his children is super nice to his mama. it's very much like that and and I think that's what we're seeing here we're seeing people that knew another side to her and you know that cognitive dissonance that you have which is this just doesn't fit means you're going to want to believe the first the most prominent idea that you have of that person especially um if you're if you're close to them. because the other side of kind of admitting that this is true speaks to what you didn't see maybe it speaks to the fact that you should have seen or you um maybe it's, you know it makes you feel that you should have been closer and being able to see so it, it takes a lot out of us to believe something bad about someone that we love because it speaks not only to them but to our relationship with them and critically to who we are
0: well put um, um, guys
4: i'm sorry i need to bow out now as you know but uh, it's a pleasure
0: thank, thank you dr so linda much. dana bye. and i'll keep going thanks dr linda have a great <laughs> bye. one bye, bye bye and we are down to dana and i but we'll uh dana and i will uh take the baton here all good um, so Michelle writes, there's been only one death in seven years uh, since Lucy Letby left. If that doesn't solidify her guilt, I don't know what does. That's probably a good indicator that she had something to do with it. That is for uh, damn sure. And now she's a convicted serial killer. Uh Donald James says she was just pure evil and selfish, in my opinion. Uh, there are a couple of uh working theories about motive. And let me get into that right now. So one is. Uh, that and these are put forward by the prosecution during this really lengthy trial was that Lucy Letby attacked and killed babies in her care to gain the sympathy of a doctor who she had become infatuated with that she wanted to be the center of attention. Um, and what's interesting here, Doctor Dana, she showed literally no emotion in this trial. We just saw some snippets of videos. So you can kind of you know gather that emotionless side of her. But when this doctor uh, was uh, sworn in uh, during the trial, and he, he went in, t- he testified anonymously, he had a screen up to protect his identity. Um, his voice, hearing him speak, prompted her to break a little bit. Uh, she started to cry. She said that he was just a trusted friend, not in love with him, and claim that she was not infatuated. But what do you make of this theory that maybe she was so obsessed with this male doctor, she was trying to gain his attention. This is a really weird way to do it though, isn't it?
5: Yeah. I've seen females, I've seen males do extreme things to gain attention. Um, Especially working in the psych hospital, people would do extreme measures to get attention most often from someone who was like the apple of their eye that they wanted to specifically get that person to respond to them emotionally, to that person to respond to their needs or that person to be there for them. And they would set up all kinds of extravagant things to get, to play out, to manipulate this event and i'll just mention traits like that that i've seen a lot of so borderline personality traits you ever heard those that before yeah. i'm sure you have yeah a lot of them will act out to extreme measures to get this attention um typically a lot of people do it like in self-harm ways right like i'm going to cut myself if you leave me. I, I hear that every day. Okay. Um, but this, this is also another very extreme way by creating these circumstances where she's vulnerable, she's alone, she's tearful, she's being accused of something. And it could p- put that other person. In. It changes everything, right? It changes. the Cause if you worked with someone like that, you might, you know, how are you going to re- respond? Like she can, you can be a master manipulator and watch everyone around you respond, right? You can control certain outcomes or set them up. So someone comes and gives you attention or is with you or, or consoles with you. So I think there is some validity of that attention-seeking
0: um Anna set here says uh it gets my attention that she's convicted of killing two out of three identical triplets identical triplets are rare triplets are rare there's an extra level in attacking these babies again thinking of you know this was i don't think intentional uh but brian Koberger killed a triplet as well as accused Mm -hmm. i should say of killing a triplet uh and ethan chapin uh so just an extra level of pain there, obviously, for the family uh, and his, I, you know, siblings. They are trying to cope with that. Uh, Moan Bent here says, nurse here, psychiatric nurse practitioner now, curious if she had a history of harming animals when young or abuse, heaven forbid, murder outside of her work. Dr. Dana, how often do you see people that like you're talking about who are homicidal, potentially, you know, psychopathic sociopathic who start by harming animals is that a common first step
5: well people practice their craft until they're good at it i mean no matter what you do in life right We're practice but people that are thinking of you know have, having these evil or sadistic um thoughts intrusive thoughts like they'll think it first but Typically, they'll practice, uh, either practice writing it out, practicing on animals until they feel really confident, like practice killing something. You can practice strangling an animal, see how it responds, see the reaction, see how you feel until you feel so confident you could complete the act and perfect the act. So it's true. People do practice on Uh, something that they something they can practice on which is typically an animal
0: someone said did she leave uh, trophies and she did Um, there were notes and things that uh, she had uh, apparently in her home uh, that were uh, related to the crimes that she committed so uh, that is uh, very common with serial killers so uh, we talked about the doctor as one possible motive Uh, By the way, Joe Simpson says, I am from the U.K. and this is a sickening crime. I hope we can change the law to make convicted criminals face their sentences and victim impact statements in court. Uh, That's the way we do it here in the U.S. I can recall Lori Vallow Daybell one day wanting to leave court when they were showing autopsy photos of her children. It was upsetting her. And the judge said, sit your ass down. You're not going anywhere. So uh, that's how they handle it. Uh, In the United States, and I have a feeling because of this case, they're going to change the law when Parliament reconvenes, uh, as I said, this fall. Now, one of the other working theories, by the way, shout out to Ketchup, who's got the broken heart emoji, a big friend of the show. One of the other working theories related to motive, Dr. Dana Anderson, is that she enjoyed playing God. Uh, Child P, they, they gave these children alphabetical letters. Uh, one of the triplets let be let be murdered, collapsed. Uh, preparations were to move him to another hospital, and she said he's not leaving here alive, is he? She literally uh, was quoted as saying that about this triplet. Uh, the prosecutor said she was controlling things, she was enjoying what was going on and happily predicting something she knew was going to happen, she, in effect, according to the prosecution, was playing God. Do you agree with that? Is that a possible motive? She wanted to be God-like, Dr. Dana?
5: Yeah, what more powerful position would there to be than the holder of life, than the one that gives or takes away? I
0: can't think of one. I cannot think of one. I love Dr. Dana Anderson. she's um so deep in thought <laughs> when she gets these answers. um I love it. um it also one of the other motivations, and we'll we'll kind of fly through this section then we'll get some final thoughts. Lucy Letby got a thrill from the quote, grief and despair of parents. Uh, the parents of child I. Uh, and the child died after repeated attacks by Lepe. The, these parents told police they remembered her smiling and going on about how she was present at child eyes first bath and how much she had loved it. Uh, she was literally smiling, and the prosecution said that she she got a thrill out of what she was seeing uh, from the grief and the despair. That's really sick that she was getting off on the grief and despair. Is that possible?
5: Yes, grief and despair, like these types of people can have their own grief and despair and their own inter-turmoil that is just, they can be in pain or feel suicidal or hate themselves or just be suffering. And so some people who get to that point, they want to inflict suffering on others so they can like just inject others with their own suffering and then it makes them feel not so alone. And and that was something I saw so many times working at the psych hospital, suffering people who were suicidal, they would inflict terrible pains upon others. And it was like, they wanted to take their emotion, inject it into someone else so that they could feel it and watch those emotions on someone else's face play out.
0: Um, she also, Lucy let uh, one of the motives uh, according to people who watch this case closely is that it was simply uh, too boring for her to care for less sick infants, um, completely unrelated. My beloved father used to always say, and he was a psychiatrist, better boredom than suffering. My dad could sit around and do nothing for hours uh, rather than be dragged to a wedding like I was at where you're suffering some of the time. So that was a famous phrase of his better boredom than suffering. But is it possible that she was so bored because she said she didn't want to work in an outside nursery where the babies were actually treat were fine and just ready to go home? Was she so bored that she needed to see these kids tortured in essence to give her some sort of like purpose and something to do uh do you see that being a possible motive
5: well um yeah it can be that rush of adrenaline you know that is exciting like keeps you engaged or interested um so yeah um it can be addicting to work in high conflict situations like ER nurses. I'm a I'm a forensic psychologist in high risk situations. My sister's a prison nurse. There's certain types of people that are charged. We get we like the adrenaline rush. It can feel exciting, interesting. It's not boring. <laughs> this is a certain it's not boring. I'm not bored. Okay. And I might not want to work in boring places, but um, if that's not good for someone who's not mentally stable, okay, they're not at a, <laughs> which <laughs> I want to go back to my point. I would love to intervene with these crimes, um, which would be the main goal of earlier on interventions. Sadly with this case, I hope we can learn something about earlier on intervention, all A lot of signs were there. A lot of people were involved. And it could have been prevented much, much sooner. And there's a... I've done critical incident debriefings. I did one recently in a hospital for bad behaviors from a physician, actually. (laughs) And I sat with, I don't know, 18 nurses or doctor's staff of how they were going to tell on this person for the stuff he was doing. Right. And everyone hadn't reported only one. And, and and so I bring this up because I, these people had become like so complacent with the problems or things in there that they weren't even reporting these serious crimes, like of assault, this doctor assaulting them, or all this stuff. So, so environments can be strange like that, where none of these people, like more people, could have spoke out. More people knew stuff. More people, you saw it, right? And the and everyone. Could felt like disinhibited to go make the report like they're they were afraid of retaliation afraid of being wrong afraid of a civil suit afraid of all this stuff and i was there to empower them going hey guys this is absolutely crazy and we're way past the point this has to be reported to the board the medical board on this particular person
0: Mm. um moan bent here says uh she's quoting uh I guess, hypothetically, what Lucy Leppe would say, I'm a bad person. I don't deserve to live. I would wager a bet that she has said that in the past and someone would reply, no, you're a great person. Don't say that manipulative. I would have to agree with that. Uh, That's a way of getting, I guess, positive reinforcement from a negative statement. This is sickening. And then we'll start to wrap up. There were some text messages that uh, they retrieved as well. Uh, this is related to the twins that she um, murdered. The day after murdering baby A, a twin, let the message his colleague saying she doesn't want to go back into the nursery or see the parents who also had an other twin on the unit, baby B. She attacks baby B sometime before June 11th. And here's a text that she sent. She writes, I just don't know how I'm going to feel seeing the parents. Dad was on the floor crying, say, please don't take our baby away when I took him to the mortuary. It's just heartbreaking. I mean, Dr. Anderson, this is just, I mean, it's so sick. I mean, it's such a next level of depravity here. But um, she kills these babies and says, I don't know how I'm going to feel seeing the parents. Um, What is this inner conversation she's having with herself that's on a text message?
5: So when someone's saying, I don't know how I'm going to feel. I, so my computer's almost going to die. Let me plug it in really quick.
0: Okay, sure. I'm going to plug it in. There we are live on Surviving the Survivor. Got to say, this is one of the uh, more twisted stories, or a reminder tomorrow, by the way, um, at 5 p.m. Eastern time. Thank God it is Friday <laughs> this week. because My kids have been home uh, from school. The COE's got COVID, but we've got Scott and Phil. I'm going to ask them about this case tomorrow with Scott and Phil. And then uh, just so you know, Monday night, we've got Eric Bland, uh, famed attorney from the Alec Murdoch trial. Uh, Buster Murdoch is speaking. Alec Murdoch got in trouble uh, for speaking about it from his prison cell. But we're going to be talking about uh, Alec Murdoch, Buster Murdoch, uh, Monday night with our gang from South Carolina, including attorney Eric Bland. So don't miss that Monday night, 7 p.m. Eastern. Dr. Dana, I forget, I was reading this uh, text to you after murdering the twin, and I'll read it again. She says, I just don't know how I'm going to feel seeing the parents. Dad was on the floor crying, saying, please don't take our baby away when I took him to the mortuary. It's just heartbreaking. She just murdered this baby. She's watching the dad cry, and she says it's heartbreaking. I mean, what does that tell you?
5: Sometimes people say things to, like, engage another person to talk about their feelings or, um, Mon Bent just had a comment up there that I wanted to read. Um, go back up to that one.
0: Yeah. Let me see if I can go back and find it here. But
5: he was saying that she, she said also, like, I don't deserve to live, or she's making statements like that. Those are statements of engagement. Where if I said that right now, I don't think I deserve to live. Here's a comment.
0: I'm a I'm a bad person. I don't deserve to live. I would wager a bet that she has said that in the past. And someone would reply, no, you're a great person. Don't say that. Very manipulative. Dr. Dana?
5: And so when someone says statements like this, because people say, say these statements, like if someone said to me, I'm a bad person. I don't deserve to live. I would say I would ask an open-ended question. I wouldn't correct them and tell them they're wrong. I'd say, tell me more about that. What makes you feel that way? Or what evidence have you have of that? I would ask more engaging questions and really get to the root of the problem. Why someone's saying they don't deserve to live? And that's where you actually get confessions in therapy or you get you get to actually get down to it.
0: Uh, Ashley, best guest, Joel and lovely C. EO, otherwise known as the, COE, the chief of everything difficult case to hear especially for mothers who deliver preemies i gotta tell you i was in um i was in that uh delivery room for all three babies albeit one time there was a huge ufc fight and i was maybe maybe watching the fight over my left shoulder as it was all unfolding but i was still in the delivery room uh for all of you who are going to criticize me the big uh, mma fan so uh anyway As a guy who was in there for all three of my kids' deliveries, um, this is really disturbing. I think not just for women, but for men, for everyone who's got a a, uh, semblance of empathy. Look at this, UFC from Marie P. Listen, this is a disturbing show, no doubt. Uh, Tomorrow, every Friday, it's always a lot of fun. We're going to have, as I said, Detective Phil Waters. He's investigated over 400 homicides. Uh, he's on with his sidekick scott duffy former fbi uh we're going to speak to them about the biggest cases of the week including what's going on with brian Koberger now that he waived his speedy uh trials right to a speedy trial is that trial going to ever happen and if so when i say that jess it will happen at some point but it might be a long time away special shout out to dr linda papadopoulos uh who was with us for most of the show Uh, She's a TV Mm -hmm. personality. She's also a very, very well-established therapist, psychologist in the United Kingdom. And of course, Dr. Dana Anderson, first time here. She is a court-appointed forensic psychologist for the California Superior Court, the Criminal Division. She provides psychological evaluations to defendants at various stages of the criminal justice process. Dr. Dana Disturbing story. I hope you'll come back for a better one. But uh, your final thoughts real quick. Caroline Miller says, God rest these tunnels, tiny souls. They did not deserve this. Um, Man, this is a really disturbing case. But uh, Dr. Danny, your final thoughts.
5: Final thoughts is I hope we all can learn something about earlier on intervention in these cases. This is something that is my passion. I don't want to see more of this happening early intervention and going back through, and hopefully we can change some policies and procedures.
0: I'm not T Payne. Thank you to Dr. Anderson for her deep thoughts. That really made me ponder a lot. I'd be pondering uh, smart move. You can tell Dr. Dana, she's got a very, she's got a very cool NorCal way about her. Uh, Jerry, Gerald McRill says, where is it? Thank you, Dr. Dana. Uh, You can tell that Dr. Dana is full of empathy. We'll have her back on the show Mm -hmm. soon. And hey, Mona, with his final comment. Thanks for another great show with great guests. And STS fam, enjoy this beautiful day, everyone. Until then, love you, America. Love you, NorCal. Love you, UK, England, the Republic of Ireland.